Hello, and again, my name is Marcel Hall, and I'm excited and grateful to speak today. You know, today is called Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday because it begins the Passion Week in which today all the way until Easter in which Jesus displayed his passion for us by going upon the cross. And it's fitting because we are concluding a two-week sermon series called Passion for People. So we're going to continue that today. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak your word. But God, I want your word to be spoken. And I pray that you speak minister to our souls, minister to our hearts, minister to our faith, God, so that we fall more and more in love with your character. God, that we draw more and more close to you, that we are intrigued and not just intrigued, but we're passionate about being more like you. And God, that we also have your same passions in our life. In Jesus name. Amen. Last week, Kyle talked and delivered a message about the passion that Jesus had and how his passion for people is really worthy of imitation. And so we are going to talk some more about that today. And so let me ask you, what are you passionate about? Please write in the chat right now. Write down, what are you passionate about? I'll tell you what I'm passionate about, and that is sports. I am a passionate sports fan. My wife loves or trips off me on how passionate I get about my teams, especially my my, my alma mater, USC. And in fact, they're going to be playing today for the Sweet 16, so I will be riled up for that. And so you can tell, right, what people are passionate about. Because they, they, they talk differently about it. They, they have an excitement about it or they have a strong conviction about it or perhaps they even get offended about whatever it is they're passionate about. And in fact, they'll go to straight to, to great lengths for the things that they are passionate about. But the question that we want to answer in an examine today is what is God passionate about? What are the things he gets excited about? What are the things he'll go to great lengths to do. And the first point and main point here for our time is that God is passionate about people. God is passionate about people. We're going to go over to a well-known story in the Old Testament in the book of Jonah. So turn with me over to Jonah chapter one. Now, Jonah was a prophet, meaning he spoke the word of God and he was in the eighth century B.C. And so we're going to take it up here in Jonah chapter one in verse one. The scripture reads, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Let's stop right there. Now, Nineveh was the capital city for the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire was the dominant empire at this time in the Middle East. And it was a wicked and ruthless empire. Um, you know, their, bru- their, their, their brutality and cruelty was legendary. It is said that they were known to impale their enemies on stakes in front of their towns and hang their heads from trees in the king's gardens. They also tortured their captives, men, women, or children by hacking off noses, ears, or fingers, gouging out their eyes, or tearing off their lips and hands. Wow. So not only were they this wicked nation, but they were also hated enemies of the nation of Israel. And so this message 
is a warning that God has through Jonah, a message to this, a message of warning to this lost nation that there's going to be judgment. But perhaps God has more in mind with this message. Let's see what Jonah's response is to this call by God. In verse three, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Why would he run? You know, wouldn't he be glad that God was going to finally deal with this wicked people? Maybe he was afraid to preach to this foreign nation, which makes sense, right? I mean, if I had that message, I'd be a little hesitant. Again, though, maybe, maybe Jonah knows more of God's heart in this message. Let, let, let's keep reading here. We're going to summarize a little bit. So Jonah, after this, he can't run from God, even though he tries. And many of us know the story. Jonah is thrown off a ship and he's swallowed up by a huge fish. And, and, and God, you know, uh, 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 saves him from this. But, you know, it was really cool. I found this out. I never heard this before. But, uh, you know, there are several reliable accounts that exist of people's survival after sea, after being swallowed by whales. Go ahead and look it up. I'm not going to give you all the resources there, but I want you to go ahead and do your own homework right there. All right. All right. So here we go. So now Jonah goes and, and, and he's saved from the situation and he thanks God. Wouldn't you? I know I would. Now let's take it up in Jonah chapter three, verse one. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. God really wants this message to be lit, to be delivered to the people of Nineveh. Right. And the question is, why? Why is he so intent on this message being delivered? You know, it, it, it seems that he's he's perhaps passionate about this. Right. That, that this message, he, he's passionate. No, we have to get this message out. Let's continue to read in Jonah chapter three, verse three. It says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Hallelujah. He did what God wanted him to do. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Jonah preaches this message and the people decide to fast, pray, and then change or what we would call repent. Let's continue reading in verse 10. Now, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Wow. This is pretty intense, right? I mean, that, that, that's a good thing, isn't it? That we see this wicked nation, these people respond to God's word. And God is obviously pleased at their response. And so 
Mission accomplished. Right? It, mission was accomplished. They were warned, but yet they turned from their ways. Now, let's continue reading here in Jonah chapter four. Again, remember, we're going to see something here. Maybe it's already standing out to you about what God is passionate about and how he's passionate about people. Now, in verse one in chapter four, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home, that that is what I I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. Well, that's a little bit of a weird response from Jonah. Wouldn't you agree? But here's something interesting. Let's think about this. The people change. They repent. But Jonah's upset. You see, Jonah, he's off here. But Jonah knew the character of God. What did he say? God, you are gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and you relent from sending calamity. You see, Jonah knew that this message to the Seneca wasn't about destruction, but it was one that was a call for repentance. One that was for the people of Nineveh not to suffer, but to respond and turn to him. You see, God warned the people because he wanted them to change. He wanted them to come to him. That was the heart of the message. And that is the heart and character of God. And so we continue in the story. You see, God provides some shade for Jonah, but then he takes it away. And we look here in Jonah chapter four, verse eight, it reads, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Man, Jonah, Jonah's having some hard times, isn't he? But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? And the book stops there. Wow. Well, what do we see here? This story isn't about Jonah. This story is about God's heart in character. It reveals about God, how God is passionate about people. He cares for all his creation and wants all who are lost to be redeemed into a right relationship with him. You see, God taught Jonah this lesson and wants us to learn this same lesson. You know, Jesus coming, his life and his death revealed the same lesson is that we that God is passionate about people. And we are not only to learn about God's passion and, and, and not only to be moved by it, but God wants us, his people, to be passionate for people as well. And so the question we have to ask ourselves today is, are we passionate about people? Are we passionate about People. Now, I believe most of us here want to be passionate about people. And some of us maybe have lost it or, or we, we don't know how to, to grow in being passionate for people. Well, let's talk about some passion stoppers. 
You know, one, thinking only about ourselves. This stops us from having passion for people. When, when all we think about are our desires or only our problems. It doesn't negate our desires or our problems. The problem, the stopper is, or what stops the passion is when we think primarily or only about ourselves. Or when we are focused on inconsequential things. You know, Jonah in this situation, he cared more about his feelings, more, uh, uh, more about his feelings more than he did about people. He cared more about his comfort or his philosophy in worldview than the condition of others. You know, he was more concerned about uh, his views of what God should do than he was about what God wanted to do. You know, we could look at Jonah and say, wow, he's in a bad spot and he is. But you and I can do the same thing as well. You know, we can worry about trivial things and we can do this in the church. We can worry about trivial things rather than serving people who are struggling. We can care more about world politics than the people who are suffering spiritually. We can start to focus more about advancing in our school, uh, in our grades, internships, promotions, vacation, house additions. We can be more concerned about advancing in all these different areas than we are about helping people heal and find hope. You know, I have to be reminded of this sobering truth. You know, helping people can't just be my job as a minister, but it has to be my calling and my passion. And you know, brothers and sisters, as I need to be reminded about this, you need to be reminded of this as well. We need to be reminded that there are some passion stoppers and we need to start to gain the passion for people that God has and wants us to have as his people. So now the question is, how do we gain passion for people or how do we renew our passion? Well, I think one thing that, that is very helpful is, is to remember what God has done in our lives. You know, what he has saved us from our past and what he has saved us from as far as a potential future. You know, when I think about that, it humbles me and makes me grateful because then I start to think, man, I'm so grateful. I want others to have what I have. When I start to think of my family, my friends, the church, when I think of the hope and the purpose that begins to fuel me to want to help others have that as well. And so again, I think us remembering what God has done in our lives is, is something that is a passion producer. But maybe the biggest thing, and the thing I want us to really highlight here today is awareness creates compassion, which produces passion. I say this again, awareness creates compassion, which produces passion. I want to share this story real quickly. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually, maybe it was about, it was about man, two months ago. I'm, I'm on a prayer walk with my son. He's in a stroller. And as we're walking around uh, the, the street in, in, in our complex, I hear this yelling out, help, help, help. And I thought, man, that's really weird. But it was, it was faint. I couldn't tell where it was coming from. And, and I thought, man, is somebody joking around? And if they are, that's, that's really not a cool thing. And so as I'm walking, Karina's actually, uh, uh, she's, she's taking a little jog. And so we see each other and we think, hey, did you see that? Did you, did you hear that? She goes, yeah. And so we're walking, trying to figure out where is this noise coming from? Because you can hear it every now and then. And, and we see some neighbors come out. And, I, and, and he says, hey, I, I heard the same thing. I'm calling 911. And I said, okay. 
I said, but you know what? I'm going to go around and, and go outside the street, outside a little complex and go see if I can see what's going on. And so I did. And, and, and I, so I'm walking down the street and I can still hear it every now and then uh, somebody yelling out help it. But I can't tell where it's coming from. And so I see this other woman who's on the street and she's looking around and we start talking about this and she calls the police and and, and, and now we're she's like, hey, I was calling out like I'm here, I'm here, you know, just randomly on the street. And then the police come and then we, we see another neighbor who, who saw and called the police and come to find out uh, that, that, that there was a man in, in the, the complex across our street who, who was who was uh, she saw beating up with his shirt torn off, uh, torn up. And I guess he was bleeding and he was trying to run after maybe somebody. And it was a really intense situation. But it stood out to me because I thought, wow, that was so encouraging. There were so many people who became aware of a need. And instead of just going on with their day, they felt this compassion. And then they were passionate and deliberate about trying to help. And, you know, this is the same spiritually especially as disciples of Jesus. When we become aware of things, then we start to have compassion and then we become passionate as well for people. You know, when we see broken families, we've seen wounds from past that aren't healed, destruction of lives, addictions that are paralyzing. We start to feel compassion for these people in which we become aware of these situations. And then what happened? It produces this compassion, but then we See this passion that's moved to help them find freedom and salvation in Christ. You know, we even see this with Jesus. This, this again, this, this, this uh, 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 um, awareness, compassion, and passion. In Matthew 9 and verse 35, church, I hope you're still with me. If you're still with me, give me an amen on the chat, all right? And so in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, Jesus says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It says when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them and fueled them even more into being passionately active in trying to help. You see, we as true followers of Jesus, we are the workers in the harvest field. We are the ones that, 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 that are called now to be passionately active for people and helping them be able to find healing and hope in Christ. And so again, how do we become aware of people around us and the things that are going on. Well, I think it's a number of things. I think simply we have to get involved with people. That means talking to people, getting to know them, you know, getting into Bible studies. You know, every time I get into a Bible study, I'm always reminded, wow, people need Jesus. This is not just for a few. This is for all. And let's just say this right now. Is there a greater time than now to be passionate for people. You know, the pandemic has done a number on so many, from kids to adults, from high schoolers and college students to those in assisted living facilities. Depression, loneliness, confusion, destructive behavior. Do you know anyone dealing with one of these or something like these? Do you know anybody 
dealing with some depression, some loneliness, some confusion or destructive behavior. We all do. You see, people are hurting. But the question again now is, what are we going to do about this? Are we going to focus on ourselves or are we going to do something to help? I believe this week we can have passion for people. And here's the action step for the week. It's real, real simple. Go ahead and write this down. It's do something. Simple. Do something. Brothers and sisters, let's renew our passion for people. Let's make that call today to the person we know is having a hard time. Let's make a list of people we are going to invite for Easter service. Let's invite the waiter or the grocery store worker this week. Let's get involved in someone's life and ask questions. Or let, let, let's just have a conversation with our neighbors rather than just saying hello or saying nothing. Let's become aware, compassionate, and then passionate. Let's follow Jesus. Now, what might happen if you did? What might happen if you became passionate for people? What might happen if everyone watching this became passionate for people this week? Picture with me for a quick second. Imagine a church full of true Christians who are passionate for people. Brothers and sisters, let's not imagine. Let's find out. Let's do something this week. Let's close out with Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we will be a church that are passionate for people. Amen.